Hi, this is Craig Valentine, host of Early to Rise Radio. Have you ever wanted to become wealthier, healthier, wiser, or just have more time to appreciate the finer things in life? On this show, we reveal what high performers are doing every day to be more successful without sacrificing their personal lives. Early to Rise Radio is sponsored by The Perfect Day Formula. Get your free copy of this game-changing success guide at freeperfectdaybook.com. Now let's get started with today's show. Today, you're going to discover the five predictions that I have for business owners in 2023. And I have a couple of crazy worldwide predictions, too. You're going to think this guy is an insane lunatic, but trust me, it's going to be totally worth it because it's going to help you grow your business and become the leader you need to be in 2023. My name is Craig Valentine. I'm the host of Early to Rise Radio. I have built multiple businesses and wrote books like Perfect Day Formula and Perfect Week Formula. In my books, you always find me talking about the power of vision because the vision is the North Star that you need. And today's predictions are really going to help you build that and craft that out for yourself. But before we dive into that, I want to tell you a story about the smartest thing that Albert Einstein ever did. Albert Einstein is is known as a genius. And everybody says, oh, maybe, you know, he helped with the atomic bomb, which is not great. But, you know, obviously he was a genius to be involved in that and the theory of relativity. But the smartest thing in my eyes that Einstein ever did was that he left Germany in 1933. The writing was on the wall. Hitler was loud about what he was going to do. And Einstein knew that he had to get out of there. And a lot of smart people stayed, unfortunately, and paid a heavy price. But Einstein got on a boat and went to America where he became successful. And and I believe it was Princeton where he worked until 1955 when he died. But if he didn't leave Germany in 1933, he probably wouldn't have lasted uh, past the 1940s. So why I tell you that is because predicting your future is essential for success. Now, hopefully not in that extreme, but in terms of the business, as a CEO, as the leader, your job is to predict the future. It can save your life. It can make you rich. And what you need to do in terms of predicting the future for your business is identify the future in the rising trends. And when you can capitalize on that, you don't necessarily have to be the smartest entrepreneur in the world. You don't have to be an Elon Musk, and he's maybe not even the smartest entrepreneur in the world, but he has definitely capitalized on trends. And if you go back in time to my first business that was successful, I was a personal trainer. And in 1998, I discovered this website where people were giving out information. They were selling supplements, but I thought I can put up a website too and put information out. And so I did. And it wasn't until two or three years later that I started selling my information products, but I was one of the first people to do that. So we had the rising tide of health, uh, tide of health and fitness. It's still a huge trend fitness, supplements, it's still growing and growing and growing massively. And that's why there's all always more diet books and always more supplement companies. And I'm still just amazed at the number of supplement companies that come out of nowhere, but it's because the trend is still rising. And then we had online. When I went to college, the very first year my college had email was the very first year I entered college. And then everything became online. And I had a website in, uh, by 2000. I started selling stuff on the internet in 2001, even though I was just using PayPal. I was using PayPal to sell Word documents in 2001 because I was an expert on the Men's Health Forum. So I had those two rising trends and and I didn't really know anything about business. I didn't study marketing at that point. I didn't go to business school, but 
because I tapped into rising trends, a dumb personal trainer with zero sales. Like I hated sales in the gym, but I was able to sell online. And when you identify those things, when you predict those futures, gosh darn, you can be successful. And predicting your political future can help you avoid from being wiped out. And there's a lot of decisions that I know certainly some of my clients who live in Europe are moving because they see the writing on the wall in their countries and it's not moving in the right direction. I know other people that have um, moved to different parts of America that have left America. I live in Mexico, used to live in Canada because I predict that there are certain areas that are going to provide my family with a better future. And so we are going to pro be proactive and move ahead, um, before things are too late. And I know it sounds crazy, but when you look back and and you see Einstein leaving Germany in 1933, you go, well, duh, why wouldn't he have left Germany? Uh, why wouldn't every Jew have left Germany? And it's so easy for us to say that in hindsight, but think about all the ties that you know, you can bring up when you when somebody says, well, if you don't like, you know, living in California, why don't you move to Florida? And you go, oh, you know, the grandparents down the road and this, that and the other thing. And I know a lot of entrepreneurs who still live in California pay heavy price to do so and they justify it. And I'm not here to judge the justifications, but there's, they've definitely thought about moving and then justified it. OK, so enough on that. There's a, there's a, another reason I want to talk to you about predictions before we dive into the ones that I have. If you are a thought leader in your space, and it doesn't matter if you're, uh, you know, you own a car wash uh, franchise in Indiana, like one of my friends, Bobby, or if you own a set of pizzerias or a single pizzeria, or if you have online programs, you're an online fitness coach, you're an online coach of coaches, you're uh, a corporate speaker, it doesn't matter what you do. People see you making predictions and they want to read it. Because it's it's kind of like this perverse form of procrastination. Because whenever my mentors like Mark Ford or Dan Kennedy, um, a guy named John Reese really turned me on to this years ago, when they would send out email newsletters with predictions, I'd be like, I'm going to stop everything and read this. I know I shouldn't, but I'm going to. Because it feels like work, but it's also very entertaining. Because, you know, in theory, you can't be wrong with predictions. Because you can just say, ah, you know, it's still going to come true or whatever. Or like, oh, I was just off a little bit. And... So if you put out predictions, you become more of a thought leader, even if you're totally wrong. So think about the videos that you can put out, the podcasts like I'm doing here, the emails to your list, uh, special reports. Like if you're in the real estate industry, you can say, hey, here are the five best real estate deals for 2023, even in the face of declining home sales. Or here are the five new leadership methods for 2023 if you have five employees or more. Or here are the top five marketing methods for gym owners in 2023. And it doesn't matter if you're right. People will look at you as an authority and refer other people. It's a good lead magnet. The then, you know, Another thing you do is seven hottest trends in your industry, like the seven best stocks for 2023, seven new housing opportunities, or seven threats for housing, seven hottest social media posts for fitness pros, how the great recession of 2023 will affect your industry, the best recession-proof real estate markets, what will happen to interest rates in 2023, et cetera. All it takes is a little bit of creativity, and you can crank these out and it gives you status, credibility, and authority in your industry. And remember, you can be wrong 99.9% .9 of the time. What I've seen people do is when they are right that one time, 
And you, you know, they do this in national choir all the time. You know, when I was growing up, my mom would buy it all the time. And I'd see like, you know, this psychic predicted this last year. Well, they were wrong on 540 other crazy things, but they were kind of sort of right about one thing. And they just, you know, ride that. And there's a lot of, I get a lot of financial newsletter ads and I see like the man who predicted Bitcoin in 12, 2012. I mean, he may have told 10 people. And in 2012, to buy Bitcoin, that guy is just milking that claim. Uh, here we are in almost you know 13 years later. So just imagine what you can do if you get a prediction right. It'll be really, really great. <clears throat> and the reason why this is because there's a really great quote that describes marketing by a guy named Blair Warren. And he has the one sentence persuasion course, 27 words to make the world do your bidding, he says. And predictions tie into this quote. Uh, Blair Warren says, people will do anything for those who encourage their dreams, justify their failures, allay their fears, confirm their suspicions, and help them throw rocks at their enemies. So just before this, um, one of my old friends, man, I, bet I was in a marketing mastermind with him 15 years ago, a guy named Mike Dillard. Um, I forget what his podcast was like the real man podcast or something. And, you know, then he was really into crypto and now he's really into uh prepper kind of, um, type of stuff. He's built, you know, he's got this ranch out in Austin, Texas, and he's making it self-sufficient. You know, he's a very smart gentleman. And he just put out an email and he's got his top five predictions in there. And there was, I read the email cause and I was like, oh, I really want to see what he says. Cause I know he's pretty doom and gloom. And he only got through one prediction, but you know, I wanted to read it because it was really entertaining. And he definitely, for his audience, they really think that the doom and gloom is coming. And so it confirmed their suspicions. It helped them throw rocks at enemies. It justified some of their failures because, you know, there's so much negativity going on. That's why you can't get ahead. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, Mike's trying to manipulate people. He just is really, truly writing what he believes but it's very persuasive to the audience. So <clears throat> I'm going to start with a really positive prediction because I'm not a doom and gloomer. Obviously, there will be bad things that happen to good people in 2023. That happens every year. There will be bad things that happen to good countries. There will be bad things that happen to the good citizens of a country with an incompetent leaders. That's just the way the world is. Always probably has been, always probably will be. And it's going to be you know, if you thought 2022, 2021, 2020 were wild, it's going to be a wild year. That's for sure. So my first prediction, though, on the positive side is that your freedom and finances will skyrocket if you make the right decisions. So listen, this is a year that you can get your perfect week together. You can finally implement my systems. You can build your morning routine better than ever. I'm still to this day perfecting my morning routine. And if you do that, you can be more productive this year. You can identify more opportunities. You can tune into more content like this. You can become a high performer. You just have to be more focused. So you got to be focused about what to do in the morning. You got to be focused about how your week looks. You got to be focused about destroying distractions. But I predict if you become more focused and you focus on the things that matter, the big needle movers in your business, or as my friend Sharon Sravatsa says, the needle breakers, like the thing that just goes all the way to the end, like it moves the needle so much the needle breaks, then you're going to have your best year ever. And again, this comes back to you identifying what works in your business, do more of what works and do less of what doesn't in both your productivity and your business. And it's going to allow you to be successful. 
I highly recommend that you make a very strong plan. You set a very clear goal. You get accountability from a coach or a mentor to hold you to this. And there's no reason why you shouldn't have an amazing year in 2023. Maybe because you, you know, you rode some really great trends in 2020, 2021, 2022, that it's going to be hard to match that income, but you're still going to have a great year going forward. The other week I was in Mexico City at an event for my friend Simon Black at Sovereign. It used to be called SovereignMan.com. Now it's called Sovereign Research and Advisory. Really great rebranding on their part. And Dr. Robert Malone was speaking. He got he's very famous. He got kicked off at Twitter and stuff for um, you know, he was talking about all the vaxes and stuff and all that uh drama rama was going on. He he said one thing that I think, you know, is is really insightful um that anybody can can use because I want to talk right now about how to make predictions. So when you're putting together your report, how the heck do you come up with really good predictions that are that are as accurate as you think can be possible, but are also really compelling? And Robert Malone said from stage, when you see something that doesn't make sense, look deeper. Here's, here's one of like the examples. I don't care what side of the political spectrum you're on. You have to realize how silly this was in the last few years and that something else was going on. Restaurant COVID mask policy. Doesn't matter what you thought of masks. The fact that you could go in to a restaurant and you were forced to wear a mask to walk to your table, but then you could sit down for two or three hours at a table. You know, sometimes they limited to six people. Great. So you're at a table with six people, four people, two people, doesn't matter. And you're not that far from somebody else. And you could sit there for hours and you would talk in the server's face, but the server had to wear a mask. That clearly didn't make sense. The, the policies of uh, trying to implement social distancing in an airport, and then you put people on an airplane side by side with strangers and you allow them to take their masks off to eat, but they got to put them like, come on. Oh, this, this is just theater and comedy and ridiculousness. And there was something clearly deeper going on. It wasn't about protecting people from, from COVID. So great line there. Uh, so you see uh, Dr. Robert Malone says like, okay, you know, what is my, in my industry, do I see this not making sense? Like, you know, if you were in the crypto world, there was a lot of stuff that wouldn't have made sense. You know, real estate, like all these, you know, in real estate market in 2020, I had a lot of clients in, in real estate and they would report back like, yeah, I sold a house on Tuesday and the person who bought it on Tuesday got such so many great offers that they sold it for $300,000 more on Friday. You know, it went from 2.1 to $2.4 million in three days. Like that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense and it's not sustainable and people are going to pay the price. And from what I understand, there's 270,000 homeowners that have bought in the last few years that now owe more than their house is currently worth. That's going to be a painful reckoning. So you think about all those things. And then I actually have six factors that I think of when making predictions. So what do I know to be true? What do I know to be 100% true? There's not a lot of things I know to be 100% true. And so that need, that then limits the, the predictions that I'll make. Whose opinions do I trust? And then I go to my experts and I look at what they believe. What doesn't make sense, as Robert Malone said, what are my blind spots? Where, where, do, where do I have like an opinion, but I really don't know anything? And then that disqualifies me from making predictions there. But also it, 
it gets me to think about my business decisions. Look, I think this is going to happen, but I like, I don't know anything about this. And I've made mistakes. Like, so for example, a couple of years ago, I spent about $150,000 trying to develop an app and I had to just shut it down because I was blind and I didn't do enough customer research. So I had this idea. I trusted a few opinions. I made a mistake. Um, and I went uh, and started developing this app and then it got out of control because I had so many blind spots, huge business mistake. Uh, it's very embarrassing to me now, but I was smart enough to shut it down. Most people are not smart enough to shut bad decisions down. Um, the fifth thing is what is the zeitgeist? The zeitgeist, if you don't know what that means, it's like this, what is like the popular opinion? And, you know, so the zeitgeist of 2020 was around the Black Lives Matter movement, um, the zeitgeist, uh, you know, wokeism, uh, you know, that woke uh, methodology or mentality is is the zeitgeist of the world right now. Um, and so you need to think like, what's the overall belief of the world? Uh, and it's kind of like a trend. And then what is being said and done at the extremes? Because what is being said and done at the extremes today is tomorrow's normal. Like think back even to like the Beatles days, right? So if you go back and if you've ever watched like the Beatles and the pandemonium and fandomonium of the Beatles, and that was like the extreme of the day because older generations thought that was horrible music. You know, this is really bad. People are dancing provocatively. That was the extreme then. I mean, today that's like fuddy-duddy stuff. And 10 years ago, think about the extremes. You know, just look at what you think is extreme right now. 10 years ago, it was even more extreme. But today, for a lot of people, it is normal. Like these drag drag show queens, uh, drag queen shows for kids. That is completely unacceptable. And yet, you know, it would have been so extreme 10 years ago that, you know, people that accept it now would not accept it. So think about what's at the extreme and moving. Um, it allows you to think about there's some crazy things that are going to happen. So what I know to be certain is the media is always going to try and steal my attention. I got to protect it. I know that we're all getting older. I know that the rich design the world so the rich are getting richer. So that's going to be the best marketplace to target. I know those things to be true. The rich are not going to let the rest of the people, like the really rich are all trying to get richer and they're not going to let other people catch up. And it's just like, no business is going to like stop being competitive. So you know that businesses are always going to be doing the right things for their own business. It's just like the rich. They design the world so that they get richer. They design the tax laws. They design this, that, and the other thing. And so therefore, if the rich are always going to get richer, how can you design a product service that the rich are going to use? Because that's going to be your most profitable marketplace in many cases. So over to you, what's on your list of what you know 100% to be true and how does this impact your decisions for the future? And what's out of alignment between your knowledge and your action and your goals? Hopefully that sparks an aha moment. Around the whose opinion do I trust? I, I trust Mark Ford, Dan Kennedy. There's a guy named Mike Cernovich who I trust on Twitter. Um, my friend, Matt Smith, and my friend, Simon Black. So those are the guys that I go to. And I know there's no women on there. I, I mean, I trust my wife a lot. She has a lot of, not a lot, I trust my wife completely. And she has a lot of great feedback and she calls, she questions some of my mentors' decisions. And so, you know, we have some really great uh, conversations and man, we, we're just on board with everything. That's why we've uh, we've navigated the last couple of years quite well. So number three is what doesn't make sense? right? What doesn't make sense? The COVID restaurant restrictions, what's in your industry that doesn't make sense? <clears throat> you know, a lot of people are funding businesses with debt. 
that doesn't make sense. How can your business be successful? How can this business be open when there's nobody in there? Like what, what doesn't make sense? Then what are your blind spots? Again, I'm not, I'm not going to predict interest rates. I'm not even going to predict the World Cup winners, even though you know at the time of recording this, we're down to like eight teams. I'm not going to predict Bitcoin prices. This is all just like wild guessing. Um, around the economy, Mark Ford, has some, who's been in the in investment industry for a long time, has some very strong predictions. So I pay attention to that because that's a blind spot for me. The, the, um, I actually did have uh, the zeitgeist definition written down. So it's the defining spirit or mood of a particular period of history as shown by the ideas and beliefs of the time. The defining spirit or mood of a particular period of history as shown by the ideas and beliefs of the time. And uh, kind of a corollary to this is never forget this phrase, the winners write history. The winners write history. So... You know, 1980s, you might think, oh, well, you know, Ronald Reagan was in in uh, office and, you know, he was the winner of history. So, you know, it's like conservatism was like 1980s was conservatism. But, you know, maybe it wasn't. I mean, there was a lot of, you know, that's when MTV came around, all that sort of stuff. So anyways, I don't want to get off on a tangent there, but think about what the zeitgeist of the world is. And I will add that Dr. Robert Malone said that there are two types of people in this world. There's 90% of people who go along with what the mainstream media says, and there's 10% of independent freedom-seeking critical thinkers. I like to think I'm in that 10%, but it does make us lonely. And if you're watching this, you probably have tendencies towards that. Um, you might be a, you might also be a mainstream media person. You might think I'm an idiot and a lunatic, and that's by all means, that's totally fine. You know, my mom is. And my most of my family is on the side of CNN and that sort of stuff. I can't stand that stuff. I don't understand how they believe certain things. They're welcome to believe it, but I'm going to think critically. And that's why I live in Mexico and, you know, I've left uh, the environment that a lot of people I know have remained in. And then finally, what about the extremes? Because the extremes cre creep into our lives and end up normalized. <clears throat> When you look at the extremes, in 1933, what was the extreme? Hitler was chancellor that year, which is what really prompted him to move. But a few years before that, do you know where Hitler was? He was in prison, right? He went from, um, he, it's, if you ever read about Hitler, it's insane, obviously. Let me the most underrated quote of Craig Ballantyne. If you've ever read about Hitler, it was insane. Um, but what I mean is his, his story of how he survived, like he was a starving artist. He was in world war one and he had like this, his job in world war one, like every other guy who did his job would have died. He was like supposed to go out into no man's land and like bring people back. I think it's insane how he survived world war one. Like he should have died. And then maybe that's when he went and was a starving artist, or maybe it was before that or whatever. And anyways, he was like really super crazy after world war one obviously. And then, um, you know, he went and started a whole bunch of crap in Germany and he got thrown into prison. So Hitler was in prison. So that's how much of an extreme he was. And then I don't know what happened, man. Um, I'm not a, a historian who can explain it. There's plenty of books out there that can do a better job, but just see like the writing was on the wall, not just in 1939, you know, it happened a long, long time ago. And so you, you can see what's happening in so many things. doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you're on. You can see if you're on the left, you see 
a lot, you know, your eyes see a lot of extremism on the right. If you're on the right, you see a lot of extremism on the left. And this is not just a thing that's um, special to America, right? Brazil, you have the, you have the country split between right and left, like almost equally. Like it was like the guy who won the recent election was like 50.1% versus 49.9%. And they hate each other. And it's, it's, I don't know. It's maybe it's just the way the world is. And so you have to understand, like, there's a lot going on. So I use those six prompts um, to help me make my decisions. And I just want to mention some gloomy predictions from Mark Ford, my mentor. He really believes that in 2023, you're going to get higher inflation. There's nothing good from, from Mark Ford's uh, recent newsletter. And Mark Ford was the guy who created early to rise.com in 2000. That's right. He created a website that's still going 22 years ago. And he was, he wrote an incredible amount of content. He, he wrote it all under a name, a pen name, Michael Masterson. He didn't predict that that would be a pain in the butt. So he, cause he wished he didn't do it, but he wrote ready fire aim, which is a business book recommended by everybody from Alex Ramosi to Ryan Dice to almost any, you know, internet marketing guy for sure. Uh, Dan Kennedy would recommend it. Um, ready fire aim is his book, but he started early to rise.com in 2000. Now he writes at markford.net and you know, he's a very, very wealthy and successful person. And side note, he has the America's largest palm tree uh, farm in America, well, in obviously in America. So he has palm trees from all over the Middle East and in this place uh, at his home in Delray Beach, at his vacation home in Delray Beach, in which he says, if you're going to have a vacation home, it should be a 20 minute drive away from your uh, regular home. Very interesting uh, approach. So anyways, Mark Ford says in 2023, there's going to be higher inflation, a deeper recession, deflation of real estate, further collapse of NFTs and most crypto. I think he's, how much lower can it go? Um, maybe Bitcoin can go to zero, I suppose. Uh, at least one more major stock market plunge, an additional 30%, and possibly the end of the dollar as the world's reserve currency. That's pretty crazy. He says that stock market will not re, uh, regain its losses for at least five or 10 years. And he just thinks that things are quite different now compared to the last time they've had stock market crashes. I don't know. So don't let Mark scare you because like, it doesn't change any of your business stuff, really. Like, maybe you'll risk a little bit less, but you still have to go and market every day. You still have to sell every day. You still have to become better at your copywriting craft, your sales craft, your leadership skills, and your speaking skills. Like your four high income skills all still need to improve and will help you in many ways. It may push your personal life even more because you'll think about maybe reducing some of your spending, um, maybe moving, maybe you know fixing your tax situation by moving. You know, there's a lot of things that uh, that, that might help you do. Maybe you're thinking of selling a home. Maybe you realize, oh my gosh, uh, it's hard to sell a home now, but it's only going to get worse. I better sell it or refinance or whatever it is that uh, you will do. These these all this information is to help you get prepared because, as Mike Tyson said, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. But you gotta, you're better off to have a plan than no plan because the, that plan might last longer until you get punched in the face. <clears throat> so now to go into my predictions, number one, the, re, the, the rich is the niche that will get you richer. So the rich are the niche that will get you richer is another way of thinking it. So 
Dan Kennedy has always said that lowering prices, a race to the bottom is a race that nobody wins. Even if you win the race to the bottom, you don't win because it's just hard to have a business on that. So how can you have high ticket bundles? You know, I, I coached this um, regenerative medicine doctor in Tucson, Arizona, and he's having his best year ever in 2022 because we focused on selling his high ticket package. The one that, you know, it's people like me who have bad knees now, but want to be able to like, be like 25 years old when they're 65 years old, I would pay the prices of his high pack, high ticket package. He was putting too much effort into selling lower ticket packages to people that don't have a lot of money. And we switched that. And he still does a little bit of that, but he also refers people out to other practices. And he's having a great year selling these $10,000 regenerative uh, stem cell type treatments. So if you are looking for that, um, you want to look up Dr. John Tate in Tucson, Arizona, and he'll deliver an amazing experience and just turn back the clock for you. Now, the second prediction I have is that the government will be the richest niche of all. So how can you, if, if you sell products and services, if you, if you do consulting work, is there something that the government has grants or has programs on that you can start selling to, you know, or you can you sell to some of the government agencies that are out there. Uh, I have a client in the um, leadership and HR space, and I am pushing her to get involved in government mandated DEI training, diversity, equality, inclusion. It's huge, huge. The amount of money that, first of all, corporations have to spend on this because government mandates, I believe. I, don't take me on my word on that. I don't know if there's rules and regulations, but certain certain industries there might be, but also in government um, funded agencies, there's definitely a lot where they have to do that. Um, another thing, I've, I've helped a lot of businesses get money back from the government through ERC credits, so uh, employee relief credits. And we still help a lot of people do that. So there's a lot of money from the government flowing down. So if your business was hurt in 2020, 2021, 2022, well, maybe not 2022, but 2021, you need to go to craigvalentine.com forward slash ERC, fill out the application and see if you qualify to get money back from the government. This is not a loan. This is just money paid back to you. You may have to pay some taxes on it, but our Fit Body Bootcamp was just you know, devastated by the COVID shutdowns. And so we did apply for it. I don't like applying for government money, but we needed it to stay afloat. Um, another thing in terms of the government is that's produced an industry that is thriving right now is solar. So I have uh, two clients who are under 30 who run $100 million solar companies. It's insane. It's insane. They, they're just these young, energetic guys who have all of these salespeople going out there and they do the sales training for all these salespeople, men, women, young, a little bit older. I don't think that they don't have too many 50 plus people on their team. But I mean, if you were, if you have a young man in your family or you are a young man yourself or a young woman, it shouldn't be gender, gender discriminatory at all because some of the best sales people in these companies are women. It just, you know, yeah. stereotype, sorry. Um, if you are a young person, you can be making incredible amounts of money if you are willing to do door-to-door -door sales in the solar industry. It's unbelievable. You're looking at kids first year making a couple hundred thousand, people that are willing to take a lot of no's, making 750,000 to a million dollars in commissions. That's not the guy who owns the company. 
That's the kids, you know, the kids, I'm 47. I can call a 25 year old a kid. These kids are making that in commission. Now they are out banging on doors in the hot Florida sun all year round from 2 p.m. till 8 p.m., but they are making bank. And, uh, you know, I work with the owners of those companies, but it's incredible. So understand that governments, despite being in massive debt, always find money for extreme zeitgeist projects. So whatever the zeitgeist is, right? Because if everybody's talking about it and everybody's on board with something, that means that if the government gives money to it, then the government will get, you know, the people who give out that money in the government are going to get voted, you know, get and get the votes back. So they're going to remain in government. And the politician's entire purpose is to remain elected, right? I'm a big believer that, and you can disagree with me, but I'm a big believer that 99.9% of people act in their own best interests, in their own self-interests, right? Like if if two people were drowning in a pool and one of them was your family member, who are you going to save? You're going to save your family member. And it's the same with politicians. And it just goes all the way up. Like you look at this at every level. Politician, every single day, their number one thing that they're trying to do is remain elected and in power. And so whatever promises they make, They'll make promises to get the votes, and then they may not continue with those promises. You won't have to work very hard to find a politician who has you know, gone back on a promise they've made because all they care about is staying in power. And so they're going to give out the money to these projects. And so you can fight that, which wouldn't be helpful, or you can decide that you're, you can see an opportunity for your business, a legitimate opportunity where you're providing great value and great service. And it just happens that the government is flooding money into that industry. You would you would be unwise not to take advantage of that. All right. So understand that there's going to be a lot of millionaires made in 2023 who put themselves downstream of government spending. Now, ironically, it's I don't know. Maybe I, I won't say in history it's probably um, one of the most dangerous times to be rich, but it's a dangerous, more dangerous time to be rich. Um, now than it is in any time that I've been alive. I can't speak for the French Renaissance. I think that was probably a dangerous time to be alive, but or it was a very dangerous time to be alive. You no, know, a dangerous time to be rich when they were like cutting off the rich people's heads. But right now it is dangerous to be rich. And, and so you need to be smart. And this can go from like, if you're going downtown Philadelphia, from what I understand, it doesn't make sense to wear a Rolex out on a Saturday night downtown Philadelphia in certain neighborhoods that, you know, there's, there's a lot of violence in that city. Um, I feel much safer here in Cancun than I do in some American cities. So that's one level of rich, right? But then there's also a higher level of being rich. And there's something that I don't know if you know about this, but there are websites, Twitter feeds, Instagram profiles out there that track every single celebrity's private jet. So anybody who owns a private jet, can be well, any private jet can be tracked, right? And so, if you're a celebrity and you own a private jet, there's all these um, posts out there that says Drake's jet. Drake is a singer, if you don't know him. Um, Drake's jet took off from Toronto Airport and flew to Hamilton, which is an hour away in Canada. And it burned this much fuel, cost this much, and produced this much CO2. So, there's entire Twitter feeds dedicated to every single celebrity's jet that does this Steven Spielberg, Rihanna. Um, the Kardashians. And, you know, so they're shaming these private jet owners. And sometimes it makes a big deal. And it's, and it's laughable because these people who 
who have these private jets that are burning, you know, three thousand dollars worth of fuel for an hour flight. Tell you know they're you know they have these public messages about you know climate change and all this sort of stuff and like okay you just you have a, you have a private jet that was repositioning that's what these jets are doing they're not actually flying people from Toronto to Hamilton they're repositioning and they are burning all this fuel for this celebrity because that's what has to be done with their private jet and then that celebrity is probably in some ad about climate change and it's everybody's again this is their own self-interest, right? Leonardo flies a private jet to a climate change thing and then comes back to America and lectures Americans on, you know, less fossil fuel. And, you know, so many of them do, right? Um, there was hundreds of private jets that went to Egypt for the climate summit. Doesn't make sense, right? There's clearly something greater going on. Now, so so I've, I've thought about a few other trends here. And this is my craziest, craziest prediction of 2023. So this is like where you label me a lunatic. But if it happened, I don't want it to happen because it's a very bad prediction. But the fact that you can track these private jets means I know where every celebrity's private jet is. And you don't know when they're leaving, but you know when they, when the, they have left. And so... You have um, all these stop oil people, right, that are going and paint, uh, not painting themselves, gluing themselves to paintings. Perhaps you've seen this or they're throwing tomato soup on a painting, right? So they're they're a hundred million dollar painting and they're throwing tomato soup at it, you know, because they want somehow that stops people from using oil. And then you have angry protesters in uh, in Holland. They were actually able to get on a private jet um, airstrip. And ju they just all sat in front of an airplane and the airplane couldn't go anywhere. <clears throat> and, and so in 2023, the zeitgeist is that the media is going to vilify meat, gas engines, climate change, private jets. So there's a lot of people who are a little unhinged who hate private jets, right? And then, and this would probably happen in, in Europe, you have all of these weapons that went to the Ukraine. I know this sounds crazy. Oh man, this guy's real lunatic here. What's conspiracy theory? It's not a conspiracy theory. It's a theory. <laughs> there's no conspiracy about it. But so there's all these weapons that went to the Ukraine, which according to news articles, which you may or may not believe are, you know, those, those, um, the stinger missiles and all that sort of stuff are now being sold on the black market to gangs in Europe. So all these bad guys have rocket launchers, and they could then sell the rocket launcher to some unhinged individual who somehow knows how to use it and then goes to a private jet airport and shoots a private jet. Like that's my crazy, crazy, crazy prediction for 2023 that someone will do that. I mean, it could just as well happen to a commercial jet. And I hope it doesn't. I absolutely hope that I'm completely wrong on this. But these are the types of situations that um, the decisions and the zeitgeist is moving us towards. Remember, extreme things could become reality. And the last thing I'll say on this is that Bernard Arnault, who is the second richest man in the world, actually just last week, he was the world's richest over Elon for like a day or something. Anyways, he owns like Louis Vuitton and stuff. He sold his private jet because he doesn't want his movements tracked. Now, he claimed that he doesn't want the competitors to know that he was visiting a factory in some place because then the competitor will be thinking, oh, my goodness, what's he up to there? No, no, he's doing it because he doesn't want to get shot down. 
probably, right? And he doesn't want to be tracked. He doesn't want to be shamed. So now does he still fly private? Of course, but he just books a, a jet service. And so his name is not attached to the flight um, for these trackers. You know, it's this because the trackers just know the plane number and then they look up who owns the plane. And if he doesn't own a plane, well, now he can get away with that sort of stuff. So anyways, um, Craig's a lunatic. If, uh, if uh, you might be thinking that, and I'll go back to my more positive predictions here in a second, but I would say that in 2023, it, it remains a great to have a lot of wealth. It remains great to have more resources than you need. Trust me, um, put yourself on the other side of the equation. When you don't have as many resources as you need, food, water, shelter, you don't want to be in that situation. You want to be that much richer than you possibly need to be. And I would, in 2023, put away the Rolex. I would maybe trade your Lambo for an Escalade that's bulletproof. Um, and I'd rent a jet or just fly first class. So I don't uh, I don't own a... I, I once had a Rolex that was given to me from a business associate and I gave it away. Uh, so I hope my business associate friend doesn't um, doesn't hear this. But I just, I don't, I don't need a watch. I've got a phone. I know what time it is. So I'm one of those people. Uh, I, I, our family does own a car, but it's just like some, you know, GMC's uh, SUV. Uh, but for 10 years before I met Michelle, I didn't own a car. I'm not a stuff kind of person, um, but I'm a freedom type of person. So, which kind of moves me into prediction number four, that your time will be more valuable in 2023 than ever before, right? You're getting older. So if you think about this, if you were 40 years old last year and your life expectancy doesn't change. So, you know, for whether you believe it's fate or, or whether just your lifestyle choices, like, you, you know, you're going to pass away at 90. So last year you had 50 years left. And that means you had 50 times 8,640 is how many hours are there in a year. So you had about uh, 400,000 hours. 430,000 hours or something. This year, you have 8,000 hours left than you did at this time last year, which means every single one of those hours is more valuable. So simply on the fact that you are now older and have fewer hours left in your life makes every single hour more valuable. And I hope that that kind of like freaks you out a bit because you need to be better with your time. I mean, it really freaks me out. My mom was here recently. God, it was heartbreaking to see um, just, you know, she's got really bad knee. She's getting a knee replacement this year, but she couldn't even come out into the waves with us because she might've got knocked over and, and, you know, just like she was off to the side and then you know, me and my sister and my, and my wife and our, our daughter were in the water and she was just sitting on the ledge and I was like, Oh, this breaks my heart. Um, but it didn't, there was a better moment. Uh, later that night, she was pushing our daughter in her stroller and the stroller was like a walker for her. And she was just like motoring down the street. So a little tear in my, Oh, I got my numbers wrong on the uh, hours. It's 6,840 hours every year, I believe. So if you got 50 years left, you got, um, 6,000 times 50 would be 300,000. Right. And then 800 times 50 would be about 40,000. So I think you got 340,000. So there, I just took 90,000 years or 90,000 hours off your life by bad math. Ike. So you got to make sure that you're using your time better for family, friends, faith, family, and fitness. And um, 
I really want you to do that. So, so here's, here's like extreme measures. So I, I just hired a coach and after our call with our coach, I sent him an email and sent him an email said like, I can save you a whole bunch of time. This is how you do your calls with your clients. There was a lot of time wasted. So you're going to send a video in advance so that you get through the chit chat, the 10 minutes of chit chat, because you can't do 10 minutes of chit chat for every new person you're onboarding because uh, they do a high volume of onboarding. So then also the call could have been 45 minutes because we got through everything. And then the last 10 to 15 minutes was just some rambling. So your calls can be 45 minutes. Um, you make that video to cut the chit chat down and you're saving 15 hours per call. And even if you did only three calls per day, that's 45 minutes per day. And then if you have 30 minute calls within your business, cut those down to 25 minutes. If you can't get done in 25 minutes, what you can in 30 minutes, again, it's just more rambling. And I know what you're thinking, what difference does five minutes make on a call? Well, listen, if you, if you, I mean, I've had days where I had four hour long calls back to back and I didn't think about this then. And you just exhausted. You haven't gone pee, you haven't had enough water. And, you know, they don't make LeBron James play 48 straight minutes of basketball. So why should you do four straight hours of calls? You need to do better because then you're exhausted. And when you go to spend time with your children at night, you're, you're not your best self. So those slivers of time do pay huge dividends over time. So understand that. Next prediction, you will be a significantly better leader in 2023 if you put the work into it. Your leadership is going to be tested. You need to have more patience. You need to be able to listen actively. You need to be able to hold everything together when the world is coming apart. And it may feel like that in certain parts of your life at certain times this year. You know, even if you have the best year financially, you know, somebody could get in an accident in your family and you need to be a great leader for your family for that moment. And you need to be able to listen. And, you know, maybe I wrote this one for myself, but because I need to improve my patience all the time. I need to improve my listening. I need to uh, improve my focus, my active listening. And I don't think there's anybody in the world who couldn't be a better leader. Even John Maxwell, who's like the guru of leaders, is probably working on improving his leadership even more. And leadership is what keeps the family together, keeps the business together through tough times. It's what makes the good times even greater. And so just you know, really focus on becoming the best leader that you can be. A lot of it starts with listening. All right. Next prediction is you must build the appropriate bubble or parallel society. So my friend, Matt Smith is really into parallel societies. And what that means is Parallel society. So just think about how centralized your life is. So you depend on uh, Amazon for almost everything. Uh, everything that you don't get at Amazon, you get at Whole Foods or um, here here in Cancun. Um, Walmart is a great grocery store. So we we get most of our groceries at Walmart, right? So you depend on all these places for all your food. You depend on Amazon for a lot of your deliveries. You depend on the internet for all your communications. You depend on probably just, you probably have all your money in one bank. You probably have your energy and water from the grid. And listen, I'm guilty as charged too. Like I'm not decentralized as much as I should be. Fortunately, I don't live in a winter climate. So, you know, if I have energy grid issues this winter, it's less of a problem than it will be if you live in New England or heaven forbid, Germany or places like that where they're really hurting. 
So Matt Friend, Matt Smith, who started, who um, helped me buy early to rise, uh, I bought him out last year because he's off to do different things. He said, you increase your power by de- decreasing your dependency on centralized services. You increase your power by decreasing your dependency on centralized services. And that's one of the arguments of Bitcoin. And Bitcoin, um, I sold most of mine. Uh, I say I sold all of my Bitcoin. I bought some Bitcoin back with Ethereum, which I didn't sell. But the whole thing of, you know, you have your money in the bank and you can get unbanked as Kanye did, as, you know, some protesters sometimes get unbanked. Their bank says, nope, not doing anything with you. Um, or we're going to hold your money. You're not going to be able to take it out, whatever it is, right? Or even just, even just think about how much money you're allowed to take out of a bank machine at one time. Why? Why is there a limit on how much money I take out of my bank account, my personal bank account? You guys are holding my money. And you're telling me I can only take out $1,000 a day? Now I understand. You're going to argue and say, well, that's consumer fraud protection. Yeah, but I should be able to take out as much money as I want. Um, Maybe make the fraud protection a little bit harder. Give me a longer password or something. But anyway, so, right, if... They got my money. <laughs> and if I want money, I can only take out so much. So Bitcoin it kind of decentralized you, which was one of the arguments for it. But you get all your security from the government and police, especially if you don't know any self-defense. Now, I'm not saying to fight the police. That's not what I, I mean here. But I, what I mean is if you've never taken a self-defense class, if you're overweight and out of shape, you are at risk because you haven't built you all your... Defense is centralized in the form of other people. But if you're in good shape, you've done some self-defense classes, you have really great situational awareness. Now you are not dependent on centralized services for your own health and safety. So that's another thing. Um, Even communication, like living in Mexico, I'm uh, weak if I only know English. I'm stronger if I know Spanish. So now I'm less dependent, less centralized in my communication forms, even with a Google Translator app. You're much better. Like, you got to go to your phone every minute uh, to speak with somebody. They definitely know that you're a tourist and they'll rip you off, right? Um, not everyone will, but you know that's one potential risk of it. So you are weak when everything is out of your control. If you don't have a garden, my mom has a garden. My mom has so much food in her house. It's insane. She has enough food in her house. Uh, she's a single woman over 80 years old. She has enough food in her house for a family of five to live for about three months. I'm not joking. She has three freezers in her house. It's awesome when you go home. Um, and <laughs> she was away down here for like a week and she got home and she was like, I need to go to the grocery store because I'm running low on food. I'm like, running low on food for if you ran an army, I suppose. But anyways, she has a garden. I do not. So she's actually stronger and more self-reliant. So that's another thing. Um I did read this book by a guy named Clay Martin, and his book is called Concrete Jungle. And he says, it doesn't matter how good of a warrior you are on your own, community is number one. So he was a, he was a Green Beret, I believe. And he's talking, he's talking about, you know, kind of surviving in cities and stuff like that when uh, the SHTF, when the poop hits the fan, right? Um, like, for example, in North Carolina, their power has been out for several days because of Somebody shot the power grid right at the end of November. I, I don't know why. I'm not going to go into politics of it. 
but people have been without power, without water, without communication. And if you do not have a good community, if you are like the only person in your neighborhood that you know, and you don't interact with people and people start looting, you have no one, you know, great. You can defend against maybe a couple people, but you know, if there's 30 people that show up at your door and you have no neighbors to help you, you're going to wish you had more community. doesn't matter uh, if you got Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and MMA and black belts and stuff. You can't be 30 people. You're not Chuck Norris. Uh, and even Chuck Norris couldn't be 30 people. So you need to think about that. Build your community. So build your community, your society, and decentralize your, your life. And if you do that, you'll have more power in the future. So it's not a good thing to think about, but it's a, it's certainly a very important way to think. Um, and then my final prediction is that you're going to need your 11 out of 10 millionaire mindset. Wow, my, my hat is across the road here, but uh, across the room, but I have an 11 out of 10 hat. And people always say, what the heck is 11 out of 10? And well, it's grateful persistence, right? doesn't matter how rough things are. I have an 11 out of 10 attitude. I'm not a 10 out of 10. I'm not perfect. No, man, I'm better than 11, out, uh, better than 10 out of 10. I have a, I'm, man, doesn't matter. You kick me in the shin. I'm half, I'm happy that I had a shin for you to kick me in. And so having that gratitude and to have the opportunity to persist is going to be great. And so I had a client in France whose Facebook account got hacked. And this guy was spending like $10,000 a day on Facebook ads. And it led, you know, he caught it within two hours, but they had spent on multiple accounts, they had spent $40,000. So he had to go to credit card companies and get the money back and go to Facebook. And about six weeks later, he finally got the money back, most of it, not all of it. But this, it nearly led to sleepless, sleepless nights. And he said, listen, if it was 10 years ago, I would have you know, been hitting the panic button, but through your coaching and you know, I got my mind right and I just started taking action. You know, He's 11 out of 10. And world-class athlete, family, father of four, self-made millionaire. And he just, you know, it's like, okay, good. I'm going to go and do this. And another one of my clients, he had, uh, he owns a car wash and some thieves came and stole the automatic pay thing. So they just ripped it out. So, you know, it was like a few thousand dollars in coins or something. And he's like, okay, listen, I'm just going to go and take action and fix this. I'm not going to sit here and cry about it. And then they, you know, they get back to work so they can crush it. So you need to have that monster of mindset, 11 out of 10 approach. And so just understand that if you suffer with small thinking, negative self-talk, if you're too hard on yourself, if you worry about things outside of your control and you're not having gratitude, those are like the five things that are, that really weigh people down. Small thinking, negative self-talk, being way too hard on yourself, worrying about things outside of your control and not taking time for gratitude. If you fix those your mindset's going to go through the roof and it doesn't matter how hard it gets all around the world for rich people, for poor people around energy, around food. If you got the right mindset, you're going to get through the toughest things. Because if you think back in history, world war two, world war one and everything else, people survived. And I think Victor Frankl's book probably sums up the best about how people survive tough things. So if you haven't read Man's Search for Meaning, I insist that you do. But he says, you know, it's basically the people who had a long-term positive mindset got through it. And people that needed things to change in the short term, as soon as like a, a short-term deadline came, they just, they quit. And um, 
that's very similar to the Stockdale paradox from Admiral Jim Stockdale, who spent seven years in a prisoner of war camp in Vietnam. And I am a Stockdale maximalist. I just, I teach this to everybody. And it's basically, you cannot lose faith that you will win in the end, but you also cannot escape from facing the brutal realities of what's happening right now. And so you face head on the brutal realities, the tough things, knowing that things will get better. They have to get better. They will get better. And they will get better faster if you would hit those uh, brutal realities head on right now. So the bottom line for 2023 is that you need to be ready for ups and downs. You're going to step, you're going to do this by stepping into your greatness as a leader. You're going to steer your ship, your family, your business through troubled waters with eyes on a positive future. And you're going to put together a crew that supports you along the way, a parallel community that is going to help you be stronger. And you're going to have your mind right at all times. And never forget that 2023 is going to be an amazing year, right? In, in 1940s France, when they were you know besieged by the Germans, people were still having babies. French people were still having children, believing in a better future. So we're not in that situation right now. Our life is so much better. Our future is so much better. And it's going to be so much better. And it will be when you take control of your outcome. All right. So that was uh, maybe Crazy Craig's uh, most interesting podcast of the year. Let me know in the comments. I'd love to hear from you. Shoot me a message on Instagram at Real Craig Valentine. Drop a comment over on our YouTube channel on this video or send us an email at support at earlyrise.com. Um, if you like this, you'll definitely get predictions in 2023 for 2024. And for now, you go make your own. No delay, no hesitation. We only got a little bit of time left for you to predict. 2023 for your industry so that you rise to the top. I'm Craig Valentine, host of Early to Rise Radio, and I'll talk to you soon.